Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Love Bites, a podcast about romance and sex by two overcaffeinated, underqualified drag queens. I'm Gilda Rabbit. And I'm Sydney Hampton. And I'm so grateful that you're here to listen. Sydney, how are you today? I'm doing all right. We've had a, a, a good morning and some good conversations and some growth, some self some self growth. Yeah, Sydney has a new word. Yeah, actually, I have to. I we had a conversation about um, STIs. Uh huh. Um, and I recently discovered that I have one. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Yeah. I I freaked out about it at first. Yeah. Um, it's just inconvenient. It's inconvenient. Yeah. Um, but this STI is one that I'm gonna have forever, mm. but that is like easily managed right yeah and i heard it and we had a conversation about like how do you tell somebody at the club like hey i have herpes or whatever i have an sti that's not going to leave me but it's not going to like change my life right and ideally i'll never have to deal with it but like most people already have it and don't know it right which is and you don't even get it from sti like from sexual it's not even a sexually transmitted disease necessarily right it's just most commonly yeah but yeah, and I was like, I was scared at first. I'm and then sorry, I, I made a joke about a growth. I apologize. No, no, I was scared at first, but then yeah. I, I remembered our podcast. Yeah, about it. Question, and I was like, I'm going to give myself the advice that I gave that person. Maybe you have nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. I could have gotten it from a towel. I could have gotten it from a shower floor. I could have gotten it from somebody else. I could have gotten it from a drink. I could have gotten it from slinging dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it happens. This podcast helped me. So I'm feeling a lot of pride here lately because I feel like things are going really well. And this is episode eight, producer May. Episode eight. Episode eight. Ooh, and, and baby, having, we ate. We ate, baby, and we're having a good time doing it. It's true. And I get to talk. I get to talk to you like every other week now. Yeah. How fun. Yeah. I love this podcast. Um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Should we just? Doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I was gonna I was I I had this like little plot story planned, uh-huh. and now it feels like more frivolous than I intended it to, um, because you shared something more meaningful. Um, but I'm gonna share it anyway. Yeah. Um. So I um have been transitioning medically since September. I've been like socially transitioning for like the last like year and a half, so to speak. And I've started finally like wearing like makeup most days. Um. I don't wear makeup to the podcast studio because I also have my personal training right before this. And like, it's just stupid to put on eyebrows and eyeshadow when you're going to sweat it off. Um, but I've noticed that most cisgender men are kind of stupid because I'm putting on eyebrows and eyeshadow and um, highlighter and blush and subtly certainly but like you can still tell I'm wearing makeup if you're a makeup person but the amount of men who've been like wow you must be getting great sleep you're just glowing all the time now like what are you doing to take care of yourself you're just glowing and I'm like I'm wearing Charlotte Tilbury <laughs> like <laughs> highlighter on my cheeks that's why I'm glowing but it's so funny to me how before before I was like wearing makeup every day like when I was just wearing it for work it, it didn't make like I, I was never in contact with the idea that like men don't realize that women are wearing makeup because they're stupid about the way they think women look especially gay men mm-hmm. a lot of gay men have no idea how yeah. women look every day is what I'm learning and now I have all these men being like oh my god you're so pretty the estrogen is doing wonders and I'm like no it's the 20 minutes I spent in front of the makeup mirror like thank you I am beautiful but like can, you cannot tell that I'm wearing like red eyeshadow with gold glitter you're bare faced today, though, right? Yeah. Maybe it's because I have no makeup. But like, you don't, uh, you don't look like you have a. No, I don't have a situation going on because I had my personal training earlier. Yeah. But like, 
every other day this week I've worn makeup and the amount of men who've been like, oh my God, you look so healthy. And I'm like, I just have concealer on. Do people not know how to, do people not know how to clock like the, the difference in texture? Um, are, are men stupid? Well, that's what I'm saying. I like, think men are not particularly intelligent. I mean, I'm also not wearing a lot of makeup. Like, like putting, like, blush and highlighter and eyeshadow and, like, concealer on my spots is, like, minimizing the amount of makeup possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm not using any powder because it's, like, daytime. Um, but still, there's, like, a change. And I think it's really funny that, like, these... I mean, and they mean well. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of these men and you're like, oh, fuck, Gilda clocked me. Like, I'm not being an asshole. Like, yeah. I think it's really lovely when you tell me I look healthy and glowing. Like, thank you so much. I am beautiful. But I think it's really funny that, like, no one's, like, looking at me and being like, wow... Yeah. Like, your makeup's great today. And maybe it's also because these men see me in, like, drag makeup, and when they see me out of drag makeup, they assume that I'm not wearing any makeup. Yeah. But, that's, like... You are, like, because the... Like, in... We had this conversation um, the other day, me and Stevie, yeah. about how much makeup you actually wear. Yeah. And I think a lot of people assume that, like, you don't wear a lot of makeup in, like, whenever you're performing. Right. You have a lot of makeup on. Yeah, but like I do you it. You have an equal amount of makeup to me. You just place it completely different. Yeah, I don't. I don't do my makeup to make my face look different. I do my makeup to like make my face look its like best version yeah. of itself, which is like not the way every drag queen does it. But it's really funny when like even the drag is like, "Oh, Gilda, you're not wearing any makeup," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm wearing." So I, it took me an hour and a half to do this. Yeah, and it's expensive and it's all sitting on my face, and I can't wait to rub it off because I can feel the weight of it. Mm-hmm. But then like when I'm not wearing when I and I'm still wearing more makeup than I think most girlies wear every day, but like. The people who see me in the drag makeup and then see me out of it are just like, oh, she can't be wearing any makeup. And yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I literally have like three colors of eyeshadow on, a lip liner, a lipstick, a lip gloss, two colors of blush, highlighter, and my brows are done. Yeah. The brows alone take time. So, Baby! And like everybody knows you don't have brows. I know. The Anastasia Beverly Hills dip brow does not magic make. It's yeah. just an art tool. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to share because I think it's fun and funny. Yeah. And, and being a woman makes you learn things every day. And I love having any excuse to say, are men stupid? <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome to Love Bites, a podcast where we ask, are men stupid? Are men okay? No, but neither are we. No, 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 we're not. Um, anyway, speaking of things that aren't stupid, we have some great questions today, don't we? We sure do. Absolutely. We're talking about, um, we're talking about our own toxic habits and relationships and our fear of repeating what our parents have done. And um, we're also talking about, what else? What was the first question, Sydney? I'm so sorry. Uh, sexual performance anxiety. <gasps> performance anxiety. And baby, as a woman on estrogen, I have opinions about that. Yeah, and as somebody who can't come, um, I also have opinions on that. So, <laughs> God. let's dive in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, and today our first question is about sexual performance anxiety. Hello, I was wondering if you had any tips on getting over performance anxiety when it comes to sex. The few experiences I've had haven't been the best, but I don't want that to stop me from trying with people I am sexually or romantically interested in. Thanks so much in advance. Matthew. Heart emoji. Matthew. 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 Can I take this for a second? Yeah. Okay. So I want to say a couple of things. Number one, even before I was on Miss Estrogen, I was a human who I'm, I'm, I'm making some assumptions because your use of performance anxiety is not necessarily super clear. Um, so I'm going to talk about my performance anxiety and how it affected me. Um, before I was on Miss Estrogen, I was a human whose penis did not work with people who she did not feel particularly emotionally intimate with. Um, but I was having lots of sex and I was bottoming all the time. And I do not think that the sex was like, 
particularly good for me. But I was like putting myself in a situation because I had a libido and I had desire and I wanted to get it met. Right. But I had performance anxiety in terms of like what was going on with my body. Um, and then I, and I, and I like, like have historically in like romantic relationships, like partner relationships, like topped all the time. Cause for some reason when I'm in love, my penis is like, boop, 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 boop. I'm so excited. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and I kind of think truly there's like a, there's like a piece of like the demisexual spectrum that like I fall on. Um, which is, was like an important thing for me to like come to terms with, which is also, you'll hear me talk about like being out of my hoe era. Like I'm sort of like learning that like that wasn't the avenue that helped me feel like sexually fulfilled or good about myself. Um, and also continuously throwing myself at sexual experiences where my body wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Uh, I, I didn't have the skills to be gentle with myself enough to not have that become like a complex for me. You know what I mean? Like the more I did it, the more I got anxious and frustrated and I wasn't very gentle with myself and it all sort of snowballed. Um, And so now in the rare occasion that I do want to have sex with somebody and I'm not emotionally intimate with them, I either let them know in advance, hey, by the way, this happens with me. We got to put up with it. Or I take a little blue pill. Um, That's not estrogen or Descovy. It's Viagra. Um, And Viagra is a goddamn godsend um, because like, there are moments in the past where I've like wanted to be intimate with somebody who I wasn't like super close with, but they were like really hot. And like, I can be so in my head and so anxious and somehow still little Miss Gilda is working overtime, just so firm and so hard and so great. And I can do crazy things. Um, Just, I can just like go and go and go for like 45 minutes. And I'm like, this is cool. Um, so if your experience of performance anxiety is similar to mine and you are seeking, uh, sexual experiences where you don't feel safe and secure with people, um, get a little pill. There's no fucking shame in it. Take it. I, I don't care if you're 18. I don't care if you're 24. I don't care if you're 30. I don't care if you're 55. Take fucking Viagra because it just helps the body or Cialis. Some people prefer Cialis. It just helps the body work in the way that you want it to when your brain is getting in the way of your body working the way it's supposed to. Is there a pill that helps you come? Not to my knowledge. Yeah, that's my issue. I don't have any problem getting hard. I have a, I have a hard time coming. Yeah, I mean, I come water now. Hmm. Estrogen has taken all of the viscosity from my seminal fluid. You know what? We were talking, we talked We talked last episode about how my, I feel like I have high tea right now. Yeah. My cum is like so thick that you can chew it. Yep. Nope. What's that about? I don't know that science, but I know that my... Maybe you're the doctor. I'm just like a little water fountain. May. <laughs> Your face. Our producer is listening to this. Yeah, no, like, you could lay brick. Yeah. Uh-uh, not me. Now, could could you could you create um, a simple syrup with my cum? Absolutely. I love that. Definitely liquidy enough to put some sugar in and make a simple syrup for your coffee. I love that. Uh-huh. You should be, actually. I feel like that's... Yeah. Sell that. Got a little sugar in my tank. Yeah. Well, sugar in your tank. I know. Do you have any thoughts on this question? Yeah. Um, well, mine's obviously, as I've just outed myself, I have trouble coming. So, like, if I'm with somebody who, like, really wants me to come, um, or they, they, they're, like, trying not to come because I haven't, like, I haven't come yet, I'm still having a gay old time. I'm like, no, this is great. Matter of fact, because I haven't come, I can fuck longer. And I can have sex for, like, an hour. Now, depending on the person, 
like I I hear a lot. So I used to. So I'm a I'm a tried and true top. So I like to fuck for as long as I'm hard, and I'll just be happy. It can be fast. It can be slow. It can yeah. be soft pumps. It can be sensual. It can be rough and rowdy. Um, some bottoms don't want to have sex for 48 minutes. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I, if I'm bottoming, I want to have sex for like 10 tops. 10, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm learning this. So I said, you know, fuck. So yeah, because I, I would, I would, I would, it's too much. So I'm learning that I just say it. Hey, I don't think I'm going to come this time. So we can keep going for as long as my dick's hard or until I come. Or I'm fine to stop now. We can like watch like Jason Takes Manhattan. Do you ever fake it? No. I don't want it. I don't want to. I have. I don't like to fake it. I have a long history of faking it with men I don't know. As a top? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i sure I could fake it, here's but the, also here's, there's like a feel, there's a sensation when you look, like you're like, yeah. how do they how do they not know my, that you're lying? My tried and true, well, first of all, I'm a great actress. My tried and true is like, turn on the moans, turn it on, make sure that you're like ramping up the rhythm, go, go, go. Give that like little, like, I like to like, And then, and then right away, right away, I pull my dick out and start eating their ass. Because I'm like, oh, if I'm like eating it out of you, you don't even know. And I can like throw some spit in there. I'm the queen of faking it. Baby, the amount, the amount of men who I've taken a little blue pill for and like, like gotten hard and then like wasn't having a good enough time to come. And so I faked it to get out of there. And then I get messages that are like, that was amazing. Oh my God, please come back. Da, 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 da. And I'm like. See. But I'm also a Gemini, so I'm really comfortable with telling small white lies. Yeah, you Gemini are. That I don't think hurt anybody, but if, if you're a man listening to this podcast and you've had sex with me and you're hurt by the fact that I fake came in your asshole, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not actually sorry. Yeah, you'll figure it. You'll figure it out again. Yeah, you'll figure it out. So, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know, maybe psycho, psychoanalyze why, why I might not want to like, or why, why I feel like I, I um, not de- I don't feel like detested by because I understand a lot of people do it. Yeah. I just don't think that's for me. Right. Yeah. I'm not telling you you have to do it. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm like, I wonder why that is because I feel like I'd probably make a lot of my sex partners much happier if I just like lied. But also like, it's not about coming. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think there, there's two thoughts to that. Like one, it's not about coming. Like we, we need to like move the culture away from that, but also two, and I think this goes in with the performance anxiety question is like something that helps me sometimes is that like sex is not just about what's happening in front of you. I think a lot of people want their partner to be hot, want the moment to be hot, want it to feel really great. And like, there's also like a, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's like a level of like performance to sex. Like sex is like role play. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not like role playing, like I'm a little milkmaid and I'm a farmer. You know what I mean? Like, like there's like, um, there's like a role I take on when I'm bottoming or when I'm topping or when I'm just like sucking dick or whatever. Um, that like for me personally, I really enjoy taking on that role and getting into the headspace of it. Um, and I think with performance anxiety, I mean, especially, especially like when I'm with somebody and like my, my dick isn't working, there are like other ways that I can have sex and like different roles that I can like take yeah. on. And like, so often I will like, I will like 
really get gratification off of like watching somebody like jerk off and like talking dirty to them or like touching them or even like taking my little soft tranny dick and like having some man suck my dick and being like that's a good boy you're such a good boy for mommy be a good boy for mommy and like like I think there's a difference um when you're a trans woman in terms of like expectation of how your penis functions yeah. but like maybe that can give you some inspiration yeah i as far as sexual performing anxiety goes, I just keep it, like, 100% honest. I'm, like, yeah. sometimes, like, I tell people, like, sometimes I don't come, and the truth, and I'm, and then they're, like, oh, and I'm, like, yeah, I've got, like, I've had, like, trauma around, around, like, sex that I, like, feel like I've pretty well worked through, but sometimes it's still, like, there's still remnants, and then also sometimes sex is, like, very emotional for me, and then sometimes it's not, and... Like, depending on the specific scenario that we're in may or may not hinder me coming. That doesn't mean that I'm not having a fucking great time. Yeah. And honestly, like, sometimes I don't come from head. Sometimes I don't come from penetrative sex. Sometimes I come whenever they, like, lay on my chest and I'm just beating my meat. Oh, I, all the... I need titty play. And sometimes I can also, nip, yeah, and, like, watching someone, like, if I'm fucking them and they're, like, like playing with themselves while I'm fucking them and then they come sometimes right after they come I'm like so excited because they just came I'm a people pleaser yeah you know whatever um that will help me achieve and if I don't also I'm so happy that you came that my tail's wagging even yeah. though I'm not I'm not spitting juice so here's the two pieces of advice if you're Sydney Hampton just be honest and upfront about what's going on and if you're Gilda Wabbit take a pill and lie last episode I told someone to take drugs and lie to have fun at the club so like <laughs> We are such different people. <laughs> we are really different. This, yeah, this makes so much sense. Yeah, it's, it makes the podcast great. I <laughs> ever, I've never seen you blush before. I just think I, I'm like a little embarrassed that my advice uh, in these last two episodes has essentially been like take drugs and lie. <laughs> I'm realizing how much of my life is me like taking shots and doing drugs with people and lying about things to like make friends. Um, That's heavy. Yeah, but it's like fun. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm. I'm mostly embarrassed because I feel bad. It feels very Gemini to me. But I feel it's bad so about being like it's fun to like lie a little. Like it's fun and it's fine. And like maybe it's not fine, but I think it's fine. Uh, all the Gemini's that I've ever known, that I've known that were Gemini's, yeah. Like until I started giving a shit a year ago, yeah. Um, all of you, yeah, have the same. It's fun to tell a lie. Yeah, like, there's like a sad. It's almost. It's not, it's a very I, it's very similar to like Sagittarius. Oh, Sag and Gemini are the opposite ends of the same coin in the so yeah. yeah. It yeah. makes a lot of sense because I can I I see the way that you all relish a little white lie or yeah. love to just straight out fucking lie yeah. and just be dishonest. Cuz I cuz I for, so often it's, it's all theater to you. Yeah, so often for me telling small li- now it can get me in trouble when I tell lies that don't uh put me in a, a great position you know what I mean but so often like telling like small lies or like g- walking around the truth is a great way to like keep wow am I a bad person you know what let's go on to the next question I don't for what it's worth I don't think you're a bad person I think that you're an artist and part of your art is creating scenarios and stories yeah yeah you're just a storyteller baby so yeah. I pardon yeah I yeah Everything's drag. Yeah. As long as you're not lying to hurt people. Never. Truly no. But like... 
wow, maybe it is heavier than I thought it was. Yeah, I'm, that's why I was like, damn, girl, that's heavy. Great, let's go to an ad break. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a second, girl? <laughs> no, okay. Friends, I want to remind you all, if you're enjoying Love Bites, the podcast hosted by me, Gilda Wabbit, and... Sydney Hampton. Then you can write us your own questions at reallyqueerpod at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-Y-Q-U-E-E-R-P-O-D at gmail.com. Yes, and this podcast is listener-supported. Um, so if we run out of questions, we run out of content. And so many of you love this podcast. Please feel free and encouraged. Uh, feel, feel threatened even to share the podcast with your friends and family um, and to get us more submissions so that we can continue creating wonderful content and answer all of your questions with our very, very, very underqualified opinions. All right, and we're back now that I've had a small mental breakdown, and we're ready for question number two. Dear Sydney and Gilda, I'm a child of divorce twice, once when I was five, and again when I was 18. This has left me afraid to grow close to another person. My most recent relationship ended after a year and a half, again, leaving me scared to go grow close to someone since they can leave at any moment. I've noticed I've picked up a bad habit of just exiting relationships quickly without a word or letting them peter out with no explanation to avoid getting close to someone again. I fear I picked up this habit from my mother as she ghosted my dad. How do I stop doing this and let myself get over the fear of being close to another person? Sincerely, the Phantom of the Grinder. The Phantom of the Grinder is there inside your phone. I feel like there's a parody song that you're going to write for this. I won't. I've been so lazy about parodies because they don't make money in Kentucky. Really? Yeah. Boo, Kentucky. People don't give a shit I about love them. Your Thank you so much. I think I'm really funny. You are really funny. But that's not what makes me money, and I've got bills to pay. Even on Sundays? Sundays are different. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, well, this is, a, this is a heavy question. I know. I, I truly think this is sort of beyond our purview. Obviously, we're going to answer it, but like when it comes to picking up really bad habits from your parents and also taking on the trauma uh, that is existing in a world that's just like hard and challenging and recreating those scenarios for yourself over and over and over again. Um, That's like deep, heavy inner child work, Um, shadow work, if you want to call it that, like, like uh, childhood trauma therapy. Like there are so many ways to approach it, but like that's like, a whole hell of a lot um, to deal with. But truly, I something that I think I've been coming to terms with lately and I'm trying to come to terms with is like the world is always a challenging place. Most things don't work out perfectly. Many of them don't work out at all. And the ones that do work out often feel like like a compromise. Um, and that's really frustrating, but I think we have to, uh, in the midst of all this, in the midst of working on our trauma and moving through stuff and going to therapy, we have to, as people find a way to be kind to ourselves, be gentle with ourselves and encourage ourselves to continue going after 
what we want in spite of our own mistakes, in spite of the mistakes of others, um, in, in, in the face of people not liking us. Because I think that's something that I deal with all the time is that, like, I, I mean, you kind of heard it start having the end of the last question that, like, when I realize ways that I show up that some people might not like, I get really stressed out. Um, and how do I get, how do I get gentle with myself and get kind to myself and know that even if I were the best version of myself possible, thousands and millions of people would not like me and would not want to be around me. And like when it comes to dating over and over and over again, I mean, like, listen, baby, I have been divorced. I have been emotionally abused. I've also had great relationships that were wonderful and still ended for reasons that are outside of my control. And like, that doesn't mean that I don't fantasize and manifest and try to bring into my life every day, like great, fulfilling romance. And like, yes, I want to work on myself all along the way to that path. But also, I want that great fulfilling romance now. Yeah. I want it fucking now. Mood. And I and I want there to be someone who can see me and hold me for who I am currently. Um, because healing should not be a lonely journey. And yeah. and it's and and I I just like we have to, in the midst of all this, find a way to be kind to ourselves and to support ourselves and to be able to be resilient in the face of rejection. Because rejection is not a reflection on us alone. Rejection is a reflection on who we are in connection to somebody else. And that is a reflection on that connection, not on who we are as an individual or who they are as an individual. You know what I mean? Like, I, I am so angry at some of the people who I'm no longer around. Um, and also, and, and, and I have to hold space for the fact that, like, they pissed me off. Here are the things they did that I don't like. And here are the things that were good about them. And to know that, like, I don't want to know about it necessarily. But, like, I genuinely hope that, like, good things come to them. Because, like, I don't want them to be alone forever just because they're a human. Just because they're a human. I don't like them. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to know them. But, like, I hope that they get taken care of. And if I can extend that grace to them then I can extend that grace to myself because I'm not perfect. I do things wrong all the time. I hurt people constantly and it's not even intentional. It's just because I show up in the world. I think that applied to your question. I hope it applied to some stuff I've been thinking about for a while. I hope it felt like it applied to your question. I think your question is great. And I think the answer is you have a lot to work on and also in the midst of that work, you still deserve care and affection. And I hope that you are able to do that work, look at yourself, hold space for the things about yourself that you think don't serve you, and also still hold the idea that you deserve care and affection to be true. Before we recorded this, Gilda just uh, hit me with a wave of fucking emotion because I've been having a similar conversation with myself. And also, Gilda said some things that I've been struggling to articulate for myself about a situation that we are both all too familiar with. Um, And actually, dear listener, you are too, because we talked about it. Um, I have told you uh, off the record many times that, you know, you just need to, like, you need to, like, take take time to heal from, like, a lot of the shit that you've dealt with. Um, And I think that's still true. But recently as a person who now has a lot of things to heal from, I had kind of a shower epiphany, and I realized 
a lot of my relationships have blown up spectacularly or caused me a lot of fucking pain. Despite that, I still find myself wanting to pursue love. And I don't mean like casual romances or casual hookups. I did that. It wasn't fulfilling. What I want is to be loved in a way that I love. I want it to be very, very pure and intentional. I want it to be sweet and I want it to be passionate and I want it to I want it to be otherworldly. And if you're also looking for pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, you can message Sydney Hampton on reallyqueerpod at gmail.com. Was that a reference to the song? Did I just quote No, it just, you were describing what you wanted and it sounded like a dating profile. Oh, yeah. And no, I, honestly, I, that is. I thought I would, like, cut the tension just briefly. Yeah, so if that's something that you want, and it is because I've talked to you about it, it's fun getting questions from people that I know. Because um, we've talked about it, my advice for you has pivoted a bit. And with my new understanding from personal experience, I'm going to tell you what I tell myself. It's okay, to, it's okay to be scared, to be fearless, to chase something that you want. It's a scary concept. But if you tell yourself that you're going to do it anyway, I might get, I might get burned by this. But I feel like it's worth doing. Or this person might hurt me, but I still feel like giving it a shot. Girl, give it a shot. If someone is interested in you and you're interested in them, you know, the worst that happens is you get your heart broken. You will heal from it. I didn't think I was going to survive my last big heartache, and I did. And it's still a challenge, but, like, I'm doing it. And I'm like putting my best foot forward and I'm trying to find what I thought I had there again because I deserve it. And you deserve it too, babe. You're like one of the smartest people I know. So go out and text that boy back. Um, I don't know if it's a new boy, but like whatever it is, be, allow yourself to be scared. You're allowed to feel that way. But also put on your, put on your, your fearless hat, fearless Taylor Swift and go out and chase it and in the meantime while you're chasing it you can you can realize oh i'm doing that thing again that i do and then you can try to find ways to work on it while you're in the shit yeah relationships suck because it's not like injuring your ankle where you need to like take three weeks of resting on your ankle or like i did earlier this year breaking my toe and not being able to wear heels like relationships we as human beings must be in relationship every fucking day and love is the kind of thing that you cannot learn how to do well unless you are practicing it and so like I i think we have this like really big culture about like oh, I'm going to protect my heart. I'm going to guard myself. I'm going to not date for a long time. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Um, And I think that is not the best way to learn new ways of dating. I think think if you have a big heartache and you're sad about it and you don't date for a long time, then when you come back to a new relationship, you might be different, but you also might come to that new relationship with the same patterns you just, you already used. Do you know what I mean? And like, it can feel 
weird to sort of like throw yourself back into dating. But like once you feel a little ready for it, you have to try because dating is a practice. Loving is a practice. You get better at loving every day. You get better at loving yourself every day. You get better at loving others every day. That doesn't mean you're going to be good at it or that they're going to be good at it. But you're not going to learn if you if you try to protect yourself by being scared and running from it, which Sydney was talking about, like being scared and doing it anyway. You like like that is like we either exist in the world or we or we stop ourselves from existing in the world and like the stopping yourself is maybe safer maybe more stable but it's certainly not fulfilling no and i do not think it's the way that humans uh have been designed to function we are a social creature um even those of us who have like social anxiety issues still have social needs we just have more we complicated social needs we needs get that are those not... we get those questions from those people yeah they want they want to be social. They want to make connections, but they just struggle too. Right. We don't live there's, in a world that's set up to support them, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, there's, like, <sighs> I find here lately, for this is, again, I'm going to pull from my own, my own like, experiences. Um, I find here lately that I'm, I'm doing something that I wish that I had done many, many years ago, and that is to allow myself to believe that I deserve better than what I have. Even when it gets good, I deserve great things. I'm a great friend and a quite a great lover. And I'm a great partner. I might not always do things the right way and I have my own toxic habits, but I deserve to be loved and I deserve to feel good and supported. And I deserve to work on myself while being loved and supported. Some of my best self-work has happened when I'm not by myself. Mm -hmm. I realize, oh, this thing that I do is a problem. I see it now because I've dated this many people, this recurring pattern that I did not recognize before, I now recognize. And I can make it better because I'm going to try to make it better. And a great way to try making it better is to practice it while I'm with a new person. And each time I date, I feel better and stronger. And does my heart get wounded? Yes, I am sensitive. I cry in bathtubs. I cry in bars. I am well known as being a crybaby. But I wouldn't change that for the world because every time that I cry about something, I learn something about myself. I, I'm like letting go of pain and trauma right. that I have gotten over the past 30 years of existence. And... Every time I go into something new, I go in like fucking Sweet Charity. Watch Sweet Charity. Right. That's someone who's resilient. Absolutely. I don't want to sound like RuPaul Andre Charles, but like... Watch Sweet Charity. It's great. Sweet, yeah. Like like feel, feel em- empowered to sometimes be messy and be fearless in doing so because you're going to learn something about yourself or about the way humans work, you know? I feel like I feel like we did a good. This is a we've had a heavy day. It's okay. I weightlifted this morning. I'm fine. Slay, like, and I have high tea. So, <laughs> um, thank you all so much for listening. My name is Gilda Wabbit, and I'm Sydney Hampton, and this has been Love Bites. Ow.